Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this well, gorgeous Thursday morning in Utah's Dixie. Yeah, it's going to get hot today, but uh, that's all right. We'll, we'll deal with that. Cools down at night this time of year, so that's good. I'm Andy Griffin, live from the Camping World of St. George Studios. I have uh, with me today Ivan City Mayor Chris Hart. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well, Andy. Thank you. Good to see you. Got your Ivan City shirt on today, looking sharp. Yes, sir. I'm official today. <laughs> Oh, well, it's it's good to have you. Ivan City, of course, located on the west side. I don't know, is it, is it northwest? Uh, I, I don't know. What's what's the geographic direction exactly? Well, we're kind of north of Santa Clara and uh, west of, of, north of west St. George. Okay, okay. I, in, fa- in fact, my dad, who is a geographer, has, has been his whole life. He's a scientist. He says, look at the Pine Valley Mountains. I'm like, okay. He goes, that's north. I'm like, what? I thought the freeway was north. He said, no, no, the freeway is northeast, <laughs> and the Pine Valley Mountains are north. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to readjust my thinking then because uh, that, things get kind of discombobulated when the freeway kind of snakes around and you get all your directions mixed up. But uh, Yes, I, when I get over in Washington, that happens to me. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Tuacon in full swing right now out there in Ivan City. You guys have done a great job of kind of adjusting the city uh, to the crowds that ultimately show up for this kind of thing. In fact, I remember five, ten years ago uh, going to shows out there and expecting to sit in line for a long time to get out uh, with, with, you know, just huge old traffic problems. And it seems like the, the, the changes you have you guys have made in uh, the way you get out of there have really helped a lot, Chris. Is that Was that kind of a focus for you guys to, to make sure that worked a little better? Several years ago, yeah. we recognized that we had a, a serious problem there. And, of course, Tuacon's very important to Ivan City. And so we, uh, we got with a, a roundabout design firm that specialized in, in um, traffic movement, uh, utilizing roundabouts, and came up with the uh, configuration that we have out there now that essentially – provides a dedicated lane for Tuacon, for folks le- exiting Tuacon to get onto the parkway. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> that sped things up. I think it cut the time in half. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people that go out, so it still takes a few minutes to get out, but not nearly like it was. Right. Instead of stop and go, it's mostly just go, but it's, it's go. slow go, but it's go. Yep. And that's it. You know, when, when I lived in Salt Lake and had to deal with the the uh, the uh, rush hour problems. I didn't have a problem with stop and go traffic, if it was mostly go. If you you know <laughs> the, the stop was a few seconds at a time. But when there was an accident or something went on and it was a lot of stop and not very much go, that drove me nuts. So I think a lot of people that go out to Tuacon now probably the same thing. Like, hey, we're moving. That that's what really matters. There's a little bit of movement, and we know there's an end in sight. So very important. Very important out there. Uh, anything about Tuacon you want to talk about as far as shows this year? I have zero knowledge of of, of what the shows are like. I know that uh, they have Wonderland, which is an Alice in Wonderland type show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Buddy Holly story, I think it's called Buddy, which will be on the indoor theater. Right. Uh, I, and right now, those are the only two. I can, oh, Mary Poppins, I guess. Mary Poppins is coming, yeah. and uh, 
Joseph and uh, the Technicolor Dreamcoat right, is right. also coming with uh, David David Archuleta. Archuleta. Yeah, yeah. David Archuleta's big draw starring in that. So yeah, I think they're always great. Uh, they when they go on their casting tour, you know, they go to New York and L.A. and uh, these areas where you've got Broadway caliber uh, actors and actresses who who try out. I mean, Kevin told me, Kevin Smith told me once mm-hmm. that uh, early on they'd go to those to those cities and they'd maybe have four or five people show up with any interest. And now he says it's in the dozens. Um, oh, nice. That, that, so the, Tuacon is on the map now. It's recognized uh, in the uh, in the arts, performing arts community as being a, a great summer theater and uh, lots and lots of folks want to come out here for six months. And Kevin is, is he the CEO out there? Or mm-hmm. What is his the CEO? Yeah. Uh, I sat with Kevin and uh, their, um, I'm going to say their uh, financial guy. Uh, guy by the name of Cahoon, who uh, uh, I was actually friends with. We went to the same mission all those years ago. I'm not going to say how many, but it was a lot of years ago. Uh, and, uh, and sat and had a, a cool conversation with them about Tuacon and and some of the some of the goings on there. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I was impressed. I, I am impressed with uh, the world class leadership that we have out there. Uh, Scott Anderson. I've been friends with Scott yes. Anderson for a long time. The artistic Trem- director, tremendous out there. director, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And when you look at Tuacon now versus Tuacon a number of years ago, I mean they've come such a long ways. Uh, the uh, the county assisted in uh, in helping them complete some some much needed upgrades, mm-hmm. and the, the new gift shop complex, which has uh, rehearsal you know rooms and uh, right. dance studio downstairs, and the actor housing is a big big deal mm-hmm. because Tuacon. And can you imagine now uh, them going out and trying to find apartments or somewhere to stay, whatever it is, seventy-five people or so? So that actor housing uh, complex is was a huge addition. Um, They basically have a place for all of their equity actors uh, to live while they're there, right on site. It couldn't be better. And um, the money that they were spending on, you know, uh, with on private apartments, if you will just basically now goes towards paying off that building, which will, of course, eventually be there. So it's great. can't imagine how much it would cost to house 75 people in the current market. If you could find the apartments, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that, right. You'd have to rent out a whole building almost for the for the cast, and yeah. that would cost an arm and a leg, both. So, uh, And, uh, by the way, uh, if you're ever maybe out there and don't uh, maybe not attending a play, you can hike that Padre Canyon there behind to a Oh, yeah, there's a beautiful hike back there. Gr- incredible. This gorgeous. Not, not for, I mean, I don't know that I would take little kids on that hike because uh, there are some difficult, there is some difficult terrain. But once yeah. you get to the top and see the view, it's, it's phenomenal. So, uh, yeah. Ivan's is a beautiful place. It really is. I was <laughs> just going to say that. <laughs> you have a beautiful town of which you're uh, mayor right now. Uh, Chris, uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, your... Uh, we, there, I saw a headline. I didn't get to read the story, but uh, just kind of about what's going on with the Santa Clara-Ivan's agreement with uh, with fire and police. And where are we at on that? And, and who's who's doing what? And, and, and are we in a good place? So Santa Clara and Ivan's chose to merge law enforcement mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh good grief that seems like that might be eight years ago now yeah. and uh it it saved both cities a lot of money because previously of course we had duplicate administrations and so forth right 
And it's been a very, very good thing uh, for both cities. The service, uh, if anything, improved with that rather than sure. uh, diminished. And uh, we believe that the same thing would, uh, would prove to be true with fire. Mm-hmm. And we still believe, I personally at least, still believe that that's the case. So fire is a little different animal than, than uh, law enforcement. The, the equipment is so much more expensive, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, historically, Ivan City had primarily a vo- volunteer fire department years ago. And over time, federal regulations on training and so forth has made it harder and harder for, for individuals to, to be volunteer firefighters. Right. Now, we still have in SCI Fire, I believe, eight volunteers. We love them, appreciate them so much. Uh, but they're kind of being called upon to do more and more as <clears throat> the the world of firefighting increasingly moves towards full-time, you know, mm-hmm. professional firefighters. So Ivan's or Santa Clara Ivan's is caught in that same uh, in that same ch- change, and it takes time to hire and train and equip. Um, and money. Th- those professionals. Right? Time and money, right? Time and money. Yeah. A lot of money. So right now, we have SCI has one central fire station on Rachel Drive, which is just outside of Ivan City, barely. Mm-hmm. And they stage their responses, pretty much all of them, from that one location. So historically, uh, Ivan City has and had a fire station on Center Street. And, and we staged our own responses from there. So parts of, uh, particularly the... Uh, northern and western part of Kayenda mm-hmm. is pretty remote from this Rachel station sure. and other parts of the city uh, a little bit as well. So we recognize that we have got to activate that Center Street station again uh, mm-hmm. in the near future because uh, some of our residents are, the, the response times to some of the areas in Ivans are are not at an acceptable level. Right. right. So uh, we have a new fire chief, uh, um, Andy Parker, mm-hmm. who's a terrific guy, very knowledgeable, and he's put together a plan, and they're they're finishing off the the hiring process and the equipping process, so that Rachel the Rachel station is fully functional twenty four seven, you know, full backup uh, all day every day. Okay, and uh, the plan is within a year to have that that same operational capacity on on the the center street station in ivans interestingly both cities plan on building uh yet another fire station so as we continue to grow the the need is going to uh, continue to expand right and right. santa clara has has plans to build one in in more in their uh, downtown area and ivan city is looking towards going out on on uh in, in more towards uh, Kayenda so that we have a better response time out there where the brush fire potential is probably greatest in our yeah. city. Yeah, true. Uh, the the money for all this, where where is that coming from? Is it, are you going to have to have a special bond, or, or is the money there already? Oh, there are lots of ways to do it. Um, the if, if the needs exceed our capacity to uh, fulfill, you know, given our current property tax rate and so forth, uh, the cities may have to go out uh, with a truth and taxation hearing and try and increase that. Another possibility is to have a, a west side fire district 
uh, that its own taxing authority and, and hmm. exclusively for you know fire and EMS. So, and that that potentially could be out there too. Uh, the fact of the matter is that with the the cost of both uh, you know professional skilled help and equipment just continuing to go on the rise, and with our current um, uh, property tax structure essentially having leveled out the revenue that cities gain each year. I don't know if you know how that works, but Mm-mm. it's basically not a fixed rate. So, as in, you know, inflation, if it were a fixed rate, would provide additional revenue to the cities. Well, a number of years ago, the legislature set it up so that the rate varies, but the amount does not. No. And so, except for growth, you know, at new properties that come on the tax rolls, the the cities have not experienced an, an increase, relatively speaking, in revenue for a number of years. Well, hmm. you you show me any business or any other entity that can survive on uh, against inflation with, with essentially yeah, yeah a, a, a fixed revenue stream. So um, somehow. That's going to have to be rectified either by the legislature setting a fixed rate and uh, and letting inflation sort of take care of itself, or or cities like ours are going to have to go to our our residents and say, hey, look, we just can't we can't cover the cost of all this without without uh, more of your tax dollars. Right, right. Um, Looks like Seth has been patiently waiting on hold. Seth, do you want to weigh in on uh, with uh, Mayor Hart? What's up? Always, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to challenge both of you to say into the microphone, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, please. <laughs> supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I learned the song when I was a kid. Okay. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Way to go, Mayor. Okay. That, that's uh, medium. Okay. Uh, let's try it backwards now. No, 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 not backwards. Uh, no, I, I don't think I can docious, do that. Docious, docious, alley, rupus. Really? Very nice. See, I, I don't know how much kids. time it took you to learn that, but uh, uh, there's probably something you could have done that would have <laughs> yielded maybe more than being able to do that. <laughs> oh, uh, a wasted ch- uh, adulthood because of two children that... <laughs> Played that thing constant. So I had to write it down, of course, and uh, commit it to memory just for this occasion. Are you gonna Are you gonna go out and catch uh, Mary Poppins? By the way, uh, this year, Seth, is that on the on the docket? I certainly am. And uh, awesome. Tuacon is close to my heart. I was the concrete and inspector on that building, and and. I used to work for National Institute of Fitness as a hiking instructor, and one of my favorite hikes was uh, the canyon and uh, uh, taking people from mostly California and New York City up and down that mountain. And uh, it's one of the highlights of my life, and uh, I'm connected to Tuacon and... uh, I hope people will take advantage of the incredible, um, if you haven't gone to Tuacon, you really need to go. I don't think there's another venue in the world that can compare with that setting, with the lighting, with the staging, with the aerial acts, 
and uh, Mary Poppins with the key on the ceiling. So uh, they're going to be flying around out there and Mary Poppins in her umbrella. But um, (laughs) it's really important that we support these and that that the tickets are not uh, out of sight uh, as like everything else. Do we have any idea of what the admissions will be this year? Seth, you can go online uh, to com. <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, you can look at the the seating chart and click on a, a particular seat, and it'll tell you what the cost of the that of that specific show is in that location. How about a ballpark? Typically, been around forty bucks for general. Oh, well, there's quite a range. I think they go yeah. from close to forty to you know you get down front and center, you can probably pay a hundred bucks or more for a, right. for a seat. Right, but uh, and they they do have arrangements where they try to fill the seats on demand, kind of thing. Does that still happen? Well, we're getting into two account management types of questions. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> what the policy is there. We don't know. Uh, okay, well, um, uh, there is. The, I believe there's that option, or there used to be. You know, they they have a show, and there's X Y number of seats, and so they try to fill them with local people who happened to drop by but uh let me just say it is one of the most exhilarating always a fun kind of a situation at tuacon and if you haven't gone uh i suggest you pick out one of these shows and and uh, you can hardly buy a steak dinner um for 40 bucks anymore uh so an entire evening for 80 bucks uh, which would be the price plus tips of a dinner, you can have a three or a four hour experience that you'll never forget. Yeah, thanks well for said, the promo. Seth. Thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I plan on going to uh, a couple of shows this year. Um, we generally speaking get some promotional tickets here at uh, here at Cherry Creek to uh, make sure we do go to those shows and then talk about them on the air. And I'm telling you, last year they got their money's worth because I went to. Uh, Millendar Quartet, and I talked about it for probably Fantastic a, a month show. afterwards. One of my one of my all time favorites. That's what I was going to say. That, that, that's actually what I said. This is the best play I've ever been to in my life. Yeah. So, and of course, I I like old time rock and roll, and there was a lot of that in the play <laughs> as well. So that probably uh, upped the ante a little bit for me. Uh, we're talking with Mayor uh, uh, Chris Hart from Ivan City. Uh, Chris has been in Ivan how long now? Lived there twenty five years. Twenty five years and. This is, I'm in my 13th year as mayor now. And they haven't thrown you out yet. You must be doing something right. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe nobody else wants to do it. Uh, we talked extensively yesterday about water with Zach Renstrom, Washington County Water Conservancy District uh, the President or General Manager. And uh, he said, you know, there are parts of the state of Utah, and, and he named a couple by name, like Weber County. They're in big trouble. They have, they are, you know, they didn't prepare well for this drought that we're in. He said, but Washington County is actually, you know, if we have two or three years in a row like this, we're in trouble. But right now we're in actually pretty good shape. Well, I would temper that by saying that, that um, the reserves that we have uh, held uh, under Sand Hollow Reservoir mm-hmm. are probably going to be tapped into uh, as early as this year. And if this if this continues, uh, we could be in in serious trouble. E- yeah. Even if there was no additional growth, so 
everybody in in your listening audience needs to realize that um, that we uh, we need to do everything we can to save mm-hmm. every drop of water that we can. Uh, literally, water our our landscapes once a week, even through this summer. Grass can go can go brown and it'll come back again in the fall. Uh, we had a a fantastic um, class taught by a couple of researchers from Utah State University that have demonstrated uh, how you can reduce uh, your your water usage. And there are just a lot of things that each one of us can do and and should do. I mean, that, to me, that's the responsible thing for citizens of of a region like this that's experiencing this kind of a, of a drought. We ought to just do it. I get an email a day, maybe, or a comment on on KDXU eight ninety KDXU dot com, saying, "Hey, okay, conservation is great. I've lived here five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years. I'm willing to conserve, but I drive around town and I see house after new house after new house being built. Sometimes, as far as the eye can see, why do I have to conserve so they can build? It doesn't make sense to me. What would you say to that, Mayor?" I mean, they make a point, right? When yeah. they built, when they built their home, whatever it is, ten, twenty years ago, uh, they did it in accordance with what the municipalities required, mm-hmm. and uh, there were no restrictions on on grass or uh, anything else that that uh, consumed water. So, uh, my my follow up question to that is: Okay, nearly all of us came here from someplace else, right? So preparations were made for us to be able to live here at all and uh, I challenge anyone who is making the declaration it's not my responsibility to help anybody else come I challenge them to uh, to show me where the where there's a lack of hypocrisy in that (laughs) so um, as as we welcome new people in into our area um, the district's job is to provide water and it'll continue to try to do that now we're for at least temporarily we're coming very close to the end of the available supply so Zach has got a number of programs underway that uh, will expand the uh, the resource uh, through reuse and through conservation and um, it's everybody's choice right yeah yeah let's do it Let's do it. All right, I got to get a weather break in. Speaking of hot and dry, uh, and then uh, Troy Paul is going to join me from the Barbecue Pit Stop. Talk a little bit about this weekend's home show. I'm talking today on Mayor Thursday with Chris Hart from Ivan. All right, uh, opportunity right now to talk with Troy Paul from the Barbecue Pit Stop. Troy joining us via the telephone this morning. Hi, Troy. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing, Andy? Good. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, you guys, uh, of course, we have the uh, Southern Utah Home Expo at the Dixie Center. It actually starts in, uh, what, about 24 hours from right now. Uh, tell us about it a little bit, and then what in the world are you doing over there? Well, right now we're setting up. We're getting ready for it. It's going to be a great show. There's a bunch of different vendors here, but we're really excited because we're setting up um, our outdoor kitchen side of, of what we offer and so if you've been into our store before we do a lot of rubs and sauces we do a lot of smokers and, and grills but this is kind of a newer facet of our business where we have really cool outdoor kitchens that come in a kit so it's really easy to assemble it makes it really affordable as well and you can get them really quick you were uh, i don't know how long ago it was but you came to me and you said you know i see a need out there i, I see that there are people that want an outdoor kitchen but 
uh, right now they're only pretty much their only choice is to hire a contractor. Who knows how much that's going to cost and how long that's going to take. You exactly. saw the need and you decided, I think I can fill this need. Tell us about your, uh, your kind of your process of deciding to do this and how it's gone for you. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Tons of people are wanting outdoor kitchens, and they just come in frustrated because they'll say, I've been waiting for six months, and I'm still not getting callbacks, uh, you know, contractors, because they're just so busy right now. Yeah. Um, but basically, what we, what our concept is, let's just make a kit. So we do 95% of the work, and then anybody can just go set it up. And it takes like 30 minutes to set up one of our outdoor kitchens, but they're not just like a you know, cheap, going to last you two years. We have a lifetime warranty on it. It's made of high-grade concrete, so it's going to last you forever. It looks awesome. The best way to find out how they look is come visit us right here at the Home Show at the Dixie Center. Um, yeah, tomorrow and the next day, Friday and Saturday, and come and see what we offer, and we can talk through what your needs are if you're looking to have an outdoor kitchen in. Uh, you know, we they're so customizable that we can definitely make something work for you. So come and visit us. By the way, the St. George Home Expo runs, uh, I think it's, what, 10 to 6 or something like that on mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday this weekend. And uh, if you get in, and it's free, by the way, free parking, free admission. Uh, and if you get in there and register, you could register to win a pair of tickets to go see the old cowboy, George Strait himself, in concert uh, in the T-Mobile arena. So really cool event going on, the St. George Home Expo. And I know Troy's going to be there with his new uh, outdoor kitchens. Looking forward to seeing them and, and, and checking it out, Troy. Come by and visit, Andy. We'll see you soon. I will be there. Yeah, I'll be there Saturday for sure. Uh, thanks, Troy. Great to talk to you today. All right. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Bye. I will be there Saturday, 11 to 1, uh, just uh, kind of talking with folks and do a few interviews and tell people what to expect. But uh, the, the maybe the big change this year is it is absolutely free. You can go to the Home Expo for free. You don't have to pay to park. You don't have to pay to get in. Just walk in and look around, check out the booths. Uh, if you're a junk food junkie, it seems like every booth has a bowl of candy, too. There is that. But uh, some ideas for your home, including a barbecue pit stops, outdoor kitchen. I like it. We'll be right back with more from the mayor. Not afraid to tell it like it is. A very smart cookie. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. And by the way, I wrote that. So I didn't record it, but I wrote it. Uh, Andy Griffin awesome. with you live. Chris Hart is with me as we talk uh, Ivan City a little bit on Mayor Thursday. Again, Mayor, thanks for coming in today. Appreciate My it. My pleasure, Andy, always. Had uh, Mike Lee on the other day uh, talking about the land swap uh, legislation that he's working on. Basically, the idea is uh, he would like to uh, purchase some land from the Bureau of Land Management uh, that would go specifically for growth, uh, for uh, contractors or for developers to build, for people to build places to live. Because with our topography the way it is here in southern Utah, sometimes that's a real issue. Uh, and if we can get some extra land and maybe some trade or, or get it for relatively cheap, it, it could be a really cool deal for the future. Does that affect Ivan's at all? Is there any land that you guys could get to develop in the future, or are you guys kind of left out of this one? It's funny, Andy. About oh four or five years ago, I started proposing um, this exact thing mm-hmm. to Senator Romney's office and Congressman Stewart's office, and uh, they they worked on it, discovered that what's currently 
referred to as an R&PP, uh, Recreation and Public Purpose Land Grant from BLM, mm-hmm. specifically excludes housing. So Senator hmm. Lee is really onto something here because, uh, and and it's not just for general housing as I understand it. It's it's for attainable or affordable housing. Yeah. So right, uh, and that's that's a big struggle in Washington County because of the cost of land. Mm-hmm. So the plan that I proposed, and I've spoken, now I've been in communication with Senator Lee's office and explained the same thing. One of the huge issues with affordable housing is that. So let's take a home that uh, Habitat for Humanity builds. Sure. Uh, the, the buyer goes through a qualification process and is selected from among a number of applicants right. because of economic circumstances, right? So the home is built. The payment is tailored to that family's uh, ability to, right. to make a mortgage You might payment. have a single mom or, or whatever. But yeah. here's what happens. So cities are required to retain an affordable housing inventory, and we have to report it every year. Okay. And after a period of years, I believe it's seven with Habitat for Humanity, that home can be put on the market and sold at market value. Wow. So all of the donated, all of the donated labor, labor and materials everything. and yeah. whatever else that went into that now becomes a windfall for that lucky uh, selected buyer. And that's what happens with affordable housing, is that very often it's turned over into the into the general res, you know uh, real estate market, and sold for market value, and it's no longer and forevermore will not be affordable, affordable housing. housing yeah. So my concept was and is that that the land that could be obtained from BLM and to answer your question, there's a lot. We're, we're surrounded on on the south side of our city with BLM land. Mm-hmm. There is BLM land there that would be available to come into a city-created land trust that would be managed by, uh, by a board that the, that the city would appoint. And in, in a relationship with a uh, qualified developer who knows how to do um, affordable housing, housing units then would be developed on, on that land. And my proposal is that the cost of the land is taken out of the cost of the home. So at the time the home is completed, ready to sell, and once again, folks would have to go through a qualification process on this. This would be an application sort of thing. Right. Um, as, okay. as that home is ready to sell, a market appraisal would be done on the home. So let's say the market appraisal is that home is worth $400,000. And let's say, just for round numbers, let's say that the cost of the land was $100,000. A formula is, rec- is created that is the the actual cost to the buyer right. over the market value and let's say that's 300,000 over $400,000. So that formula 3 3 quarters essentially the fraction is attached to the deed. So that buyer when it comes time to sell in 4 or 5 years another market appraisal is done and the cost of that home the sales cost of that home to another qualified buyer is 3 fourths of market value. So the original buyer does retain some uh, increase in value of, the, of both the land and and the the home, but doesn't is not allowed to to take the windfall Get rich and it. and yeah. extract it from a city's affordable housing inventory. Hmm. I've also proposed that same thing to Sitla. We have a terrible uh, teacher housing uh, shortage and situation here. Sitla could do, do could do the same thing. 
set aside a piece of Sitla land. They retain ownership of the land. The homes are built on it. The cost of land is, is taken out. Same formula exactly. Uh, only in their case, it would be specifically for teachers and uh, school administrators. I had on uh, last week uh, Washington, some Washington City uh, uh, administrators, and uh, they had talked about that. And I asked them, I said, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, not profiting off of this land and, and, and the, the new owners would. And, and, and basically they said, well, we want to make sure we want to ensure that they don't get rich off of it. You know, if, if we have someone that develops or someone that buys it, we want to make sure they don't get rich off of it. And I said, well, how how can you do that? It seems very difficult. Well, I just told you. Yeah, that's the best way, a formula, huh? Well, it goes into a land trust, whether mm-hmm. it's Sitla is an existing land trust, but uh, an, a municipality would have to create one in order for this, this program that I just explained to you to work. I like it. I like it. And I think it's a good way of addressing one of the biggest problems we have right now in southern Utah, and that's uh, places for people to live. You know, I mean, one of the answers, I think, in Washington City and even in St. George has been, well, let's build a whole bunch of low-cost apartments. Well, first of all, they're not really that low-cost. And second of all, what happens to an apartment building in 15 or 20 years? It, you know, unless it's very, very, very well maintained, they become a little bit... uh, not not just low cost, but low uh, low uh, residents. Uh, so, Andy, I mean, um, the world of affordable housing is a fantasy land. Yeah, you know, I'm a developer and builder, mm-hmm. and there are only so many ways that you can reduce the cost of a home. Right. One of them is to reduce the footprint, reduce the amount of land that's required for it. Thus, multi level. Uh, up, Townhome right. or apartment types of, of uh, buildings, or duplex or fourplex or whatever. Yeah, it, it's you can simplify the structure, try and, and minimize the, the the cost of the of the structural building, uh, minimize the the features and finishes that that go in it, so that you're not you're not um, adding costs unnecessarily from a functional standpoint. But there's only so much you can do. Sure. And uh, without uh, a federal subsidy or a state subsidy or even a local subsidy, uh, you, you can't get housing down into an affordable range. So um, it's, it's obvious that multifamily requires less land, is done usually in a, in a simpler, simpler type of finish. And, um, I mean, there, there are other aspects, the financing, the marketing costs, and so forth. And uh, the, the developers that specialize in, in affordable housing have have ways to manage that and reduce the cost of those kind of ancillary elements. But there are only so many ways to do it. So sure. we talk endlessly about affordable housing. And there are many ideas, some of them very good ideas out there. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to take cost out of, out of a building, you've got to reduce land. You've got to reduce both the, the, the complexity and the level of finish in the, in the, the building itself. And beyond that, you're you're you just stepped into fantasy land again. If you're <laughs> suggesting that there are just magical ways right. that we can take the cost out of uh, out of a home, and that is maybe a little bit troubling when you think about okay, well, what I'll do is I'll buy cheaper the cheapest wood I can get or the cheapest drywall I can or, or whatever, and 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 then you're talking about building cheap houses. Where and, are you going to get? That's, it? that's not good. Where, where yeah. are you going to go get the cheapest drywall? True. 
Yeah. I mean, everybody else is looking for the cheapest drywall, right. in, including the biggest builder in the valley yeah. who, who goes right to the factory. Well, the fact is you and I, if I want to go out and build a home, if I want to get the cheapest drywall, I can't go to the factory. No. I, I go down to Lowe's or, or Home Depot or or my my local uh, building, uh, right, Lumberyard? Yeah, Pacific or whatever. And uh, – and, I pay the price because if I if I say okay I want you to sell it to me for ten dollars a sheet cheaper, they're not going to sell it to They'll me laugh because at they've you, got actually. a they've got a thousand people in line for that same piece of sheetrock. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is a, uh, a, a complex problem. I, I I love some of your solutions, some of your ideas for it. Uh, you know, in in kind of the formula and prorating and figuring out how. Because the last thing we want is, and I don't mean to sound cold-hearted, but we don't want a family that gets in for free or cheap, and then in a few years, they sell it, and they be, become very uh, wealthy off of the sale. Andy, I'm I'm all for these self-help programs. I've participated in Habitat for Humanity uh, mm-hmm. housing projects. Uh, over in Ivins, we had a, there was an entity called Color Country that you may remember that came and built oh, probably as many as 10 homes in our city. Mm-hmm. And they were nice homes. And uh, the the buyers themselves were required to to provide their own labor on parts of that. And it's fantastic. But at the end of the day, uh, to be able to sell that and take advantage of all that, all that was uh, donated on your behalf and walk away with the cash somehow seems wrong. That's why I believe yeah, that there needs to be a deed restriction with some kind of a formula that keeps it in affordable housing inventory. Very well said. He's Chris Hart. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Ivan City and, uh, you know, the dark sky ordinance and stuff like that. But uh, right now, let's uh, let's do this. That's the cruise horn sound. That means you can call me right now, 673-5890, and get qualified for our cash cruise giveaway. Give me a call, 673-5890. We'll take caller number four off the air as I go to commercial break. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay nice. tuned for Clay and Buck coming up next. Yeah, we're only seven or eight minutes away from Clay and Buck. Actually, seven or eight minutes away from News and then Clay and Buck. They've done very well here on KDXU. I listen every day. Do a nice job of carrying on the legacy that Rush Limbaugh created uh, over the air. I'm Andy Griffin, live with uh, Chris Hardmayer of Ivan City, looking sharp in his white shirt with a little Ivan's logo on it. Embracing history, right? Ivan City has a has a, a rich history of uh, beauty and tradition. I love it. Thank so, you. Uh, uh, all right, we were talking a little bit about what you called a fantasy land, affordable housing, at least uh, the way some people look at it. Um, Let's let's talk a little bit more about affordable housing as it applies specifically to your city. Is there place? Are there places in in Ivan City for someone who doesn't have half a million dollars? Well, multifamily housing is uh, one at least one of the possible solutions, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, for the first time in many many years, Ivan's now has uh, has a series of multifamily projects, some under development, some uh, being brought in, in, in as, as applications. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right, even that's not cheap, right? But right. It's, uh, it, it's less expensive than a single family home on a on a 10,000 foot lot or whatever. Cheaper, I guess. Yeah. Not cheap, but cheaper. Cheaper. <laughs> and there's no question there's a, a need for that out there. State law requires that every city 
um, make it possible through their zoning and so forth to provide housing or allow for housing for every income level. So uh, every time we have a multifamily project that's brought before the city council, we have a number of our residents who come in protest of that occurring. Uh, They don't like the way it looks, don't like the mass of it, uh, don't like the fact that it interferes with the view of the mountain. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a, I just don't want it near me, sort of an attitude, right? Not in that, my backyard. That's right, yeah. and, and that's, that's prevalent, and I, and I actually understand that. But um, ours happens to be consolidating in, a, in an area on Highway 90, or just off Highway 91 near Movara. And um, so my question to those who protested is, well, where else, where else should we put it? Yeah. I mean, if, if, if I have a resident from Kayenda come and say I don't like driving by that when I go out to my house, well, should we then zone that out in the Kayenda area and have those occur out there? Because they have to, we have to allow them to happen someplace. So that's really tricky to do. It, uh, yeah, it is, is a conundrum. I, how prevalent is that? Do, do you get a lot of people when, when someone proposes an apartment building or a duplex or whatever? Are there a lot of people who are saying, Dave, don't, don't put that here. We don't want it. Well, a lot of people. We, we don't have the entire community show up yeah. <laughs> in our council yeah. chambers. But we always have a number of people at the public hearing who, who um, sort of protest mm-hmm. that happening or, or have ideas as to a better way to do it or a better place for it to go. Uh, it's, it's always difficult for a city council because you have private property rights in play here too, right, Andy? Sure. So someone chooses to sell their land. Um, the land our land use map so, shows that it's available for high-density housing, which translates into multifamily. And someone comes in with an application. Um, it's difficult for a city council to say, "Well, no, yeah, we said we, we said we wanted it, but we're changing our mind right now." In <laughs> in front of you, after you've gone to all this expense of getting your application ready and your plans put together, uh, we so you, in a way you can't say no. You can you can regulate kind of how they're going to be. We have design guidelines and requirements and other things in place, but um, it's still tricky to do. Yeah, for sure. Let's take a quick phone call. Hey, thanks for calling into the show. You're on with Mayor Hart. What's up? Well, obviously, this is, there's an issue that you're kind of dancing around, and that's property value and how homeowners uh, are affected by, you know, apartments. Now, obviously, this community is growing, and it's tight. Uh, so we do need uh, multifamily uh, I, I, we, we all can agree that we have different jobs. People live here with different jobs at different income levels. And, but we also have to remember it. these multifamily and apartment buildings, they do affect people's uh, personal you know, property value mm-hmm. and appraisals. Um, would you agree with that at least? Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Um, I think that's in part why you, you're seeing the multifamily in, in Ivan's uh, occurring in areas where there is not uh, at least a significant amount of um, of existing uh, single family residential, there are there are developments close to where this is occurring, and we've definitely had some controversy about that. But yes, you, you make a valid point. That that just compounds the complexity of trying to uh, trying to come up with the, the solution for this. The last thing I would mention is I think a lot of people here in St. George, uh, unfortunately. And I, I can't speak for, I can only speak for myself, 
well, and I do know some people that w- that also agree with me that we're kind of as a community starting to get a little jaded as to the direction of Washington County and how it seems a little bit like maybe we're tailoring to remember it was a, it was just a community college and then it became a university and now we're trying to put ourselves on the global map i when i mean when I, the last time i was there when i was taking classes at that dixie uh, i had students in my classroom that were from all around the world i'm not making it up they literally sat next to me and i was curious as to how they got here and anyway that's uh, not not going on a tangent my point though is i think the community would like it to be more viewed whether we take care of the the teacher housing uh how we do it but also so maybe us actual residents that live here pay our taxes here that maybe we don't feel like we keep getting put second chair to you know and second priority to whatever it is we're trying to do i don't know yeah good point i, I got to jump in let the mayor talk about this for a second and then we got to go to news the so mayor uh so Cities, cities live with uh, both federal and state uh, legislation that, that in some ways uh, mandates uh, how we can go about um, dealing with, with the things you're talking about. So um, it, it's a difficult formula. Uh, if, there, if it was an easy answer, every city would be having a, a great time with, mm-hmm. with it, an easy time with it, rather. Um, I don't know. I, go Dixie, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's maybe growing pains is the best way to describe it, huh? Yeah. Mayor Hart from Ivan City. Always a pleasure, Mayor, to see you. You always do a fantastic job, and I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to to spend with us. Thank you. Coming up, news tomorrow. Open lines. We'll take your calls. Got a special topic as well. Thanks for listening today. I'm Andy Griffin here every day. I actually come on at 6 o'clock, and uh, I'm here till about 10 o'clock every day taking your calls. Thanks for listening, everybody.